Center in protest. Vicki Barker, CBS News, London. The star of the Dolphin Tail movies is gone. Nothing to attach anything to. It's preposterous anyway, trying to put a tail on a fish. Officials at Florida's Clearwater Marine Aquarium say winter, the bottlenose dolphin with a prosthetic tail, has died, despite their best efforts to save her from a gastrointestinal abnormality. She was 16 years old. S&P futures are up 11. This is CBS News. Fever is the number one COVID symptom, so be safe with an accurate thermometer. Only Exergen has proven accurate in more than 100 studies. Learn more at exergen.com. Dell's Black Friday event has arrived, and it's the perfect time to step up your creativity. With early access savings up to $300 off PCs, it's Dell's biggest sale of the year. Get more into what you're into with the latest XPS and Alienware systems featuring Intel Core processors. Save on top monitors, docks, and accessories, all with free shipping, plus great financing from Dell Preferred Account. Call 800-BY-DELL for Black Friday deals. That's 800-BY-DELL. Happy holidays don't just happen on their own. You make them happen with a little help from new appliances at the Home Depot. Because warm wishes won't roast that turkey. You'll want a new convection oven for that. An air fryer will help make the season light and delicious. And while you're at it, consider a new LG or Samsung fridge that's big enough to hold all kinds of Christmas cheer. Make the holidays yours with the season's best savings on top appliances at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Court action for an American held overseas. Steve Kathan has the story. The lawyer for American journalist Danny Fenster says a court in Myanmar, where he's been held since May, has sentenced him to 11 years in prison. The editor of Fenster's online magazine says he was found guilty of spreading false or defamatory information and other charges. The sentences imposed were the harshest possible under the law. The court disregarded a significant amount of evidence. There is absolutely no basis to convict any of these charges. The army seized power in Myanmar nine months ago. Steve Kathan, CBS News. Swifties were awake into the wee hours checking out Taylor Swift's newly recorded Red Album. 16-year-old Patience Peterson gives an 11-minute version of All Too Well a thumbs up. She added a few new verses, and I think she changed up the rhythm of it a lot, and I really enjoyed it. Deborah Rodriguez, CBS News. Jay Farner here, CEO of Rocket Companies. If you thought you missed your chance to refinance and save, think again. Mortgage rates have recently dropped below 3%, and Rocket Mortgage can help you save big. You could lower your monthly payment and prepare yourself for a better financial future. But you've got to act now. Call us today at 8338-ROCKET or go to rocketmortgage.com. Rocket. Conditions apply. Equal housing lender licensed in all 50 states. NMLSconsumeraccess.org number 3030. Ad paid for by completecar.com. This is a special alert to all Americans who own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles with an auto warranty about to expire or with no warranty coverage at all. Due to the COVID crisis, we are announcing a low-cost extended service plan that is now available to the public to save any driver out-of-pocket expenses on auto repairs. Call now to find out how you can pay nothing for auto repairs. Call 800-549-1985 now. Drivers who are covered by this auto protection will not have to pay for a covered repair bill again. 800-549-1985. Two whole dollars gets a whole lot of breakfast at McDonald's. With two for two dollars mix and match breakfast, the combinations are practically endless. Mix and match a buttery sausage biscuit with a hot sausage McMuffin or golden crispy hash browns and get both for just two dollars. That means a sausage biscuit with hash browns today, sausage McMuffin and sausage biscuit tomorrow and maybe two hash browns for the day after tomorrow. Now get two breakfast faves for just two dollars. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Single item at regular price. Open enrollment for healthcare.gov is here. If you're uninsured or have a job that doesn't offer insurance, check out healthcare.gov. Due to a new law, prices are lower and more people qualify. Now, four out of five customers pay just $10 a month or less with financial help. It's easier than ever to find the right plan for you. And millions of Americans, just like you, have already enrolled. New law, lower prices, more people qualify. Sign up at healthcare.gov by December 15th. Pizza Cottage is finally in Athens, and we couldn't be more thankful. What's up, everyone? This is TJ, manager at Pizza Cottage right here in town at 951 East State Street. Thanksgiving is right around the corner, and at Pizza Cottage, we're thankful for every single one of our customers and employees who love our pizzas, subs, wings, pastas, salads, and desserts just as much as I do. 
So thank you to everyone who has supported the new Pizza Cottage in Athens. Come visit me and the rest of our crew at 951 East State Street or check out our menu at pizza-cottage.com. Since 1972, Dandeman Electric has been providing professional solutions at fair prices. Whether it is dedicating a line for your computer, running all new electric lines, installing new lighting, air services, ductwork for distributing the best heating and cooling throughout your home, or complete HVAC system installations for the home or office, Dandeman Electric can hook you up. Consider a backup generator for those untimely Southeast Ohio power outages. Call Dandeman Electric, 740-593-8813. That's Dandeman Electric, 740-593-8813. Siemens Grocery has been serving the community since 1951. Your locally owned and operated grocery store. The butcher is still in at Siemens with fresh cuts of meat. If you need a special cut, just call ahead. Siemens offers Willowwood lamb, locally grown and naturally delicious. When it's worth having the very best, the feel of a small mom and pop store with a big store variety and deals is invaluable. Siemens Grocery in Marathon, 305 West Union Street. Integrated Services for Behavioral Health is the preeminent behavioral health organization in Southeast Ohio. It's an organization of over 300 like-minded individuals that provide services to some of the most vulnerable populations, believing in the resiliency of the individual. If you provide good services, if you care about the individual and you value communities, you know, the opportunities are endless. Stay on top of the news every hour at the top of the hour with CBS News Radio on Classic Hits 97 and 97.1 FM, WATH. Ah, that's right. It's a Friday. Good times for you and me. Just a few hours away. You're keeping good company with WATH. Ah, it's the party line. And two days ago, we were supposed to have a show. We rescheduled it to Friday because of a power failure. Friday being today, of course. AEP doing a lot of um, improvements out in our neck of the woods here and once in a while something doesn't work exactly perfectly so we had about an hour and 20 minute outage exactly when this show would have been on Wednesday so our guest then was going to be Joe Mulligan Colonel Mulligan and he joins us today and uh, let me see. I get all my buttons pushed right. Good morning. Morning. Welcome, morning, Dave. Welcome. And um, golly, Veterans Day. It was yesterday. You were keenly involved in it, have been for years. How did it compare? Uh, another great one. Uh, weather was semi-perfect. Uh, uh, nice autumn-fall day here in beautiful southeast Ohio. Yes. Uh, nice little modified parade and ceremony culminating up on the uh, college green and uh, at the monument there at right? the monument war monument monument and uh, a great speaker uh, brigadier general retired chad mansky uh, air force officer uh, he's uh, related his mother's lives in the area his brother lives in the area and he's uh, related to a, a bunch of folks called chicky that live in the area so well, both Mansky and Chicky, the last names are familiar with uh, to me. So, uh, well, that's neat and uh, good turnout too, right? Yeah, uh, and we're looking forward to moving through this COVID uh, oh business. My. Last year's ceremony was uh, what I call a pop-up. We just assembled around the mm -hmm. memorial there on College Green. This year we. You know, had a modified parade. Uh, did not have the children involved this year for obvious reasons. Right. And uh, hope to get them back in the fold next year and, you know, back to what we had been doing. Well, Joe, um, you, um, you've had a long military experience and um, um, retired as a colonel, full colonel, <coughs> which is... Um, 
07. 06. 06, excuse <laughs> me, yes. Um, I get those all. I used to know those much better. Anyway, um, let's, let's talk about your personal background some. Now, um, so you had active duty, you had reserves, you had all sorts of different phases of your military experience. Um, first of all, had any other members of your family been in the service before you? Oh, yeah. My, my dad was in World War II, uh, 1943 graduate of Athens High School, and spent his semester abroad going on Utah Beach the following summer in June of 44. He was a combat engineer and went through all the battles in northern France, Battle of the Bulge, and his unit actually ended up down in Czechoslovakia uh, as World War II ended. Uh, my youngest brother spent, well, I think close to 14, 15 years uh, in the Army Reserve, and he was a, uh, an engineer as well. And I got into the, the military because as a freshman at a high university in 1965, all able-bodied males were required to be in ROTC, and it's probably one of the... It was a requirement. Yep. Uh, and, and people kind of eyebrows go up, mm. and uh, I can remember on Mother's Day Review when they did those things that the combined Air Force and Army ROTC cadets filled up the infield at Peden Stadium. Wow. So that's sort of like a little picture of how many was in there, and then it was required for the first two years... And then you had to be selected to continue on in both Air Force or Army ROTC at that time for your junior and senior years. Now, <clears throat> in my family, I was the first one to have served in active duty in many generations. Now, my father was born in 1904. And he was too young for World War One, And he was a mite bit too old for World War Two. But he went down and said, I, I don't care. I want to be in the service. And they said, Mr. Palmer, you're running radio stations that are the only connection our officers are, are I'm sorry, are personnel have with the U.S. There are radio stations that can be heard and they name different foreign places, right? Please, continue to be connected with them that way. So he didn't end up having any military responsibility. It was I who got drafted uh, what, what year was it? I guess 1970. No, I forget now. But um, I got drafted. And, you know, it turned out to be a wonderful experience. Now, n not everybody has such a great time. And by great, I don't mean happy and fun. But I mean a, a meaningful experience. So... Anyway, let's back up a notch. Um, at the time that you decided to go into the service, um, where were you either from an educational point of view or a, a profession? Uh, was a <coughs> at the high university, the decision was whether to go on for those final two years. And part of that was uh, knowing that You'd go on active duty, go into the service. And uh, in 1967, I think, I had to make that decision because uh, 1968, I went through the ROTC summer camp at Fort Indiantown Gap, Pennsylvania, mm -hmm. and then on into my senior year and commissioned as a second lieutenant in armor in December of 1969. Um now, when I think of armor, I think of Fort Knox, right? Fort Knox. Uh, That's where I had my uh, initial basic training and all that sort of thing. Yeah, and uh, 
and I wasn't alone in that decision. Some of my, many of my friends were, you know, through university and ROTC were making those, those same decisions. Mm -hmm. Vietnam was very hot and very real at the time. So our expectation was, um, for most of us, that we'd probably end up there. Uh, I did not. A uh, little interesting wrinkle occurred because I got a graduate assistantship and 18 months uh, finishing that up early. Uh, went on active duty in March of uh, 1971. And at that time, had orders to go to Fort Hood, Texas, en route to Vietnam. Uh, three days before we had a three-week special training on armored cavalry tactics in uh, Fort Knox, uh, they said, we're not sending any more of you tankers, uh, officers, to Vietnam, figure out what to do with the rest of your career. And Bottom line, uh, went down to our admin operations folks, and they ended up going to Germany. We spent many, many years in Germany. And that time, the Cold War was very cold or very hot, depending on how you looked at it. And us folks on the NATO side were looking at those folks on the Soviet Union side and a very tense situation in yes, Central indeed. Europe at that time. So um, were you married at the time? I was. Uh, got married right out of college. Uh, my wife uh was at that time working uh, for the Athens Messenger mm -hmm. as a writer editor, and uh, you know that was a decision. It was uh, to go to Germany. Rather, was sort of easy because she had uh, been there after her junior year on a work study program, and felt there was an opportunity uh, to see something other in the United States, and end up seeing a whole lot of Europe for many, many years. So just as you were assigned, she went with you, right? Exactly. Good. Well, um, let's see here. Now, people that have talked to me about you say you had many years in the service, but they were at various different um, levels, levels, yeah. I yeah. guess. And I'm not talking about in terms of your rank levels, but um, the type. Well, help us through this. Yeah, well. Uh, uh, I served at active duty. For how many years? Uh, <clears throat> I think a culmination of about five because uh, my first few years I was a lieutenant and I got out, uh, came back here to uh, Ohio. I was in the Ohio National Guard for a couple years, went back to Germany as a civilian, got into the Army Reserve. Uh, they had an entire reserve command of civilians who either worked for the military who worked uh, you know in Germany or, or Europe different places so spent a lot of time in the reserves uh, in Germany and the big difference about the reserve units in Germany they were attached directly to active duty units so when that active duty component trained or planned that those reserve units were interwoven with that plan um, and then get got mobilized twice there uh, for the first Gulf War in uh, 1990 mm -hmm. uh, with 3rd Armored Division and then a few years later uh, got mobilized again for a peacekeeping operation uh, down in the Balkans. So if you tallied all of those different years up what did it come to? Uh, right at 30. 30 years. Yeah, 30 years. I joke with folks. I said, yeah, I have 30 years in and out of the military, and it took me a while to get out because I was a slow reader. You know. <laughs> but uh, uh, Now, did I, you, uh, you know, when you're in the reserves and things like that, is, does that allow for you to have another profession at the same time, or, you know, and then you spend certain times there or yeah. or is it a full-time obligation uh, there there are full-time reservists uh, they call the full-time manners folks that man these units uh, full-time mm -hmm. and then the bulk of us are uh, reservists uh, 
you know, typical of what you remember and have been told uh, one weekend a month and two weeks a year. Well, if in those reserve units in, in Germany, uh, it took a, more of your time than that. And uh, so, uh, yeah, uh, my uh, professional life outside of the reserves was I was a, a military sports director for many, many years. A uh, military sports director. No, I, that's, I'm going to have to understand that. <laughs> uh, the troops have to be entertained. and uh, uh, My first uh, slot was in Frankfurt, Germany, uh, a major military uh, community installation. I had nine gymnasiums under me. Oh, uh, my. Sixty-some uh, employees. Uh, we ran all the intramural uh, sports programs, the uh, company versus company. Were you also responsible for all the uh, maintenance of those facilities? Maintenance, uh, light bulbs get went out. Mowing we and all of that outside fields. Cl- maintain all the fields. Yeah. Uh, wow. So, uh, and, and would you guess, uh, can you guess how many users there were of those facilities? No, to have that. Uh, figure right at hand, but I tell you what, if that gym didn't open at six in the morning, some commander was calling. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, I think one of the numbers that stands out uh, in the summertime, the last year that I was in uh, the Frankfurt military community, we had 115 softball teams playing. <laughs> wow. You know, uh, company so, versus company. But in theory, this military sports director job was a civilian job. That was a civilian job, okay. yeah. And the, the sports program was uh, well-supported because it directly related to military readiness. You know, physical fitness, sure. spree, unit cohesion, all of those nice things. But your military occupation was armor? Armor. And... Um, Okay, so I had, um, when I got drafted, um, they called and they said, um, or no, I got a letter. I got a letter and it said, you have two weeks. Report to Fort Hayes in Columbus. And it, it, we had no idea where we would go after that. Uh, I went down um, to, I was running WCOL at the time. And uh, it's downtown, and I walked two blocks down to um, the old post office, which is now the Bricker Law Office's building, Bricker Law Firm, catty corner from the state capitol. And in there, they had Army, Navy, Air Force, Marines, right? All their different recruiting offices. And I met with them, and I said, you know, I have an important job here in Columbus. I can't just leave in two weeks. So I guess I need to find out what my options are. And they said, well, we can get you two months if you enlist. And uh, you'd have a delayed entry, and that gives you more time. And after talking to all the different groups, and then also they said, I can't remember the exact bit up, but if if you enlist for three years, uh, you have a greater chance of picking what your military occupation would be. And I said, well, I'd love to be in armed forces, radio, and television, right? That mm-hmm. was my background. Well, there's not too many openings in that. That's uh, highly sought after. So I said, well, admin, administrative duties. So I signed up for three years. Had a two-month delayed entry, found my replacement, trained him. And the day came when I once again reported to Fort Knox. I'm sorry, to Fort Hayes. And I I don't recall being told where I was going to be shipped. And off we go to on a bus to Fort Knox. How do you forget these things? You know, it's just 
going into something that you just have no idea what it's going to be like or where you're going or what you're going to be doing, it's so weird. Uh, blind trust. Yeah. And, of course, Fort Knox was the armor center. So um, even though I was, uh, they selected me to go to a leadership school, which was about three weeks in duration, before I went into basic training. Well, that meant I had sort of a, a bit of a leadership role in my basic training company. And then out of that, they selected me to go to NCO Academy, non-commissioned officers. So, you know, I, I, I don't know. I just think I was lucky a lot. But um, everybody was getting their orders, but not me. And I didn't understand that. So I went to the USO, who I had started to help a good bit there at Fort Knox, and said, um, you think there's any way I could get to stay here and help you guys? And they said, we'd love it. And they got on the phone, and I remember I was sitting across the desk, and they, went, and they called... Um, what, Indianapolis was the headquarters for personnel, I think. And they said, uh, we'd like to have him stay right here. And I could only hear one side of the conversation, but he said, Hawaii. <laughs> Magic word. <laughs> and uh, anyway, he hung up and said, there's nothing I can do. Your orders are all in place. You're headed to Hawaii. I said, but to do what? He says, I don't know. Well, I ended up with a fantastic thing, and I don't know how I got to it. I really don't, and that's often the case. So I ended up in being assigned to Sink Pack, Commander-in-Chief Pacific. This was a joint command, so you had all four branches of the service involved. So you could be working right next to a Navy guy, and on the other side of you, a Marine, and behind you, maybe Air Force, right? And uh, not too many enlisted guys. Most of them were officers. My desk mate was a full bird I'm sorry, uh, yes, a full bird colonel from the Army, Ken Coco. Um, at joint commands, they have, like, certain positions have JTD line numbers, they call them. And so th the job I was doing was meant for a Marine Corps lieutenant colonel. It was fascinating. I still don't know how it all happened. Divine providence. Something like <laughs> that. Now, who was the actual commander-in-chief Pacific? It was a fellow by the name of John McCain. Now, folks, we've heard a great deal about John McCain in recent years. It wasn't that person. Senator McCain was the commander-in-chief's son. And um, fascinating story. Well, I don't want to talk so much about me. I, the point is to talk about you. So your military occupation was that of primarily armor, right? Correct. The places you were actually assigned. You mentioned Germany, but mention the, just like a list of places you were assigned. Uh, <coughs> in in Germany, uh, multiple locations. Uh, I started out when I went over on active duty the first time, Schweinfurt, Germany, with the 3rd Infantry Division. I was a platoon leader, 
you know, uh, had a five-tank platoon. Uh, half of those soldiers in the platoon were uh, volunteers, and the other half were draftees. And some of those draftees were very, very good soldiers. And two or three of them, uh, man, they didn't want to be there. Yeah. Uh, um, you know, you were a, a draftee and took a, a different option to, you know, enter your admin field. These guys were sometimes fresh off the street, inner city kids, or uh, didn't, didn't want anything to do with the military. And the other ones were just, you know, happier and heck to be there. When I was when I had basic training, it was the same thing. There were some there that just resented the whole thing. Yep. But others were taking it in proper stride. Yeah. And uh, I think one of the life's greatest lessons, one of many that I picked up uh, when I was first introduced to my platoon sergeant. Uh, a great guy um, who uh, was black and was in the army when it was still segregated, but in an armor unit, the same unit that we were now in at that time, uh, redesignated and renumbered, and a guy named Audrin Bowie. And after we had our morning formation, we stood under a tree next to our company area, and more or less point blank, he says, Lieutenant, Let's get one thing straight. You command this platoon, and I run it. If you want something done, tell me it'll get done. But if you start telling one of the men to do something, and I've told them to do something else, they're going to screw one of those two things up, and we're going to have problems. But that was a, a great lesson in uh, delegating and subordinating and trusting the folks that work for you to get uh, get jobs done and he was absolutely right as a lieutenant in the army you get all these extra 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 duties uh, for example at the time the army paid once a month in cash so if you were the company pay officer you and a uh, enlisted soldier put your 45 on your hip go to a designated place get issued all the money to pay your company in cash then mm -hmm. come back and pay and uh, that that would take two days because you had to run down and pay everybody. They did not want you to turn cash back in. Uh, arms room, uh, taking making sure all the weapons are properly cared for, not doing it yourself, but supervised it. Uh, the MBC room, nuclear, biological, chemical, making sure all that equipment is uh, Sensitive items, binoculars, night vision devices that we had then that were not nearly as good as what we had today, but all those different things took me as a lieutenant away from the platoon. So that sergeant, Sergeant Ordrin Bowie, ended up carrying the bulk responsibility and making sure the platoon and our tanks and everything was serviceable. Well, just in case someone's wondering, the platoon would be amount uh, to how many people? 20 in uh, armor, uh, four crewmen per tank, five tanks, 20 in a platoon, an armor company was 88 uh, soldiers because uh, you had a headquarters element, uh, mm -hmm. maintenance and cooks and those folks. Battalion, uh, armor battalion was around 250, uh, where an infantry battalion was probably close to 350, 400 mm -hmm. at that time. So... Um, I tr I jotted down some thoughts to bring out for to encourage you to bring out, and I don't know if these are appropriate or not. But so we talked about some of the places you were assigned. Talk to me about um, well, the next two points I have is your lowest experience and your proudest experience. Now you can do them in whatever okay. order you want. Uh. Now, you, uh, some total is how many years? 30. 30 years. On and off. <laughs> yeah, I get it. Yeah. Now, think back on that. What was um, a low moment? Well, I guess it, 
tend to push most of those uh, bad experiences to the rear. Uh, uh, having uh, uh, soldiers uh, get killed training was probably one of the lowest. And uh, at that time, when I first went in at Fort Knox, uh, we had, over a period of about four days, three soldiers killed in training accidents. Uh, you know, get caught between two vehicles and crushed to death. And that was a period where you really had to dig down, do a little soul searching, and say, you know, is this really what I wanted to be in? But those accidents, avoidable or unavoidable, were something that really, you know, I thought up about a lot. And, and, I, and it probably helped me later on in my career to make sure that our soldiers, number one, observed all safety uh, regulations and procedures to protect the force in that way. Now, some of the high points, the, now the food was not always the best, but it was okay. <laughs> uh, and I say that kind of laughing because I tell you what, I've been in some chow halls over the years, and the, on the Army side at least, it was very, very good. I've been in some Air Force chow halls, and they were very, very good. And they did not have that experience with any uh, food on the ships. But uh, high points for me, my career high point was uh, Desert Storm. Um, it was just amazing and uh, to see how the United States of America assembled all that force in such a short period of time to execute that war in the period that we did. Um, and before that, I had been an instructor in the Army's Command and General Staff College uh, non-resident uh, program in Europe. So most of our students in the Command and General Staff College that our reserve uh, school taught were all active duty. And uh, it was a, just a, a great professional feeling of satisfaction to see that we executed our buildup and ground war to what the Army doctrine was at that time. There was a doctrine called air-land battle, which essentially meant that, you know, the the ground forces and the air forces meshed together to accomplish the mission. And like I said, uh, you know, we didn't move outside that first page and second page of that doctrinal book much. You know, Air Force did what they best do and the Army did what it best did, you know, together. Yeah, so, you know, that was probably the high point and, you know, probably the point in my career that's probably the pinnacle because you know being part of that and uh, just seeing what we were able to do as a country to, to assemble that force to you know defeat Saddam and his army folks if you tuned in after our beginning uh, our guest today is Colonel Joe Mulligan Joe how long how many years have you lived in Athens <laughs> Uh, I left in, left in 1971 to go in the Army, um, spent 34 years away from Athens, re-retired uh, uh, re, uh, back here uh, out of uh, my civilian job in 2007. Wife and I both live out um, a little farmette out on the, in Albany, outside of Albany. Uh, so uh, just recently I have spent more time in the United States than I have in outside the United States. We spent 34 combined years uh, living overseas. My wife uh, worked for the Armed Forces Radio and Television Service. Uh, hmm. Started out doing overnight radio from like 8 at night to 4 in the morning, some of her shifts. Yep. Uh, <laughs> when radio was king, we didn't have television. Then the uh, American Forces Network uh, had one channel uh, of, of TV. And then after the digital age came in and satellite technology became available, they had multiple, multiple channels. But she had a 30-year career uh, 
lockstep with mine uh, in the military. And um, she retired as the head civilian chief of operations for the American Forces Network in Europe and deputy commander. So, Whoa. So. Well, did she, um, <clears throat> upon returning to southeast Ohio, did she um, pursue that career any? No, uh, neither one of us sort of re- pursued any of our previous careers. Uh, she said she wanted to do something else, mm-hmm. done that for 30-plus years. She's a maniac gardener uh-huh. <laughs> you know, with both uh, our vegetable part of our garden and the flowers and all that stuff around the house. Nice. And she's out there every day working at um, and. uh and I, I didn't get into the sports business, though I, I do enjoy going to seeing high school games and you know, sure. following the high university and, sure. of course, the Reds and the Browns and the Bengals and all that. And um, so you probably listen to the radio a bit. Oh, yeah. We oh, have yeah. most of those on the air. Oh, that's, yeah. that's, <laughs> uh, let's talk about... Um, Post post um, military life. Uh, I have okay, so I got out in. I was supposed to do three years, and I did three and a half. I extended to uh, finish the POW releases uh, at the request of um, an Air Force uh, general. Anyway. Um, and then I joined my dad and we bought this radio station now I never pursued options for veterans like I don't know why like today if you were going to buy a home, the VA is helpful. And financial institutions recognize that. <clears throat> uh, it may have been uh, available back in when I was, what, 73 or whatever it was, but um, I, I just didn't know about it. And to be honest, it's only been in the last couple of years that I've started to pay attention to that. And um, there are many things that veterans organizations do. Uh, And they are social. They're professional. They're helpful. Um, Did you take care? Were you engaged in it right from day one upon your retirement? Uh, No. uh, No. I uh, I was not as in what you were uh, alluding to, but uh, what I did in Germany, uh, and this is after I retired out of the military and was a civilian, I got involved in the VFW. Uh, uh, we had a uh, VFW post in Wiesbaden, Germany, where we were living, was uh, end up being one of the largest in the world at that time because all these folks coming back from Southeast Asia, we, we just recruited uh, them as they almost walked off the plane. But uh, to get involved with uh, vet- veterans' issues back here, one of my motivators was my dad passed away in 1997, and uh, the local uh, honor guard uh, was there at graveside uh, to assist in, you know, the military sure. honors. And sure. I made up my mind then. I said, to get back here or wherever we end up, then I join the honor guard. And I've been on our honor guard, well, since 2007 when we retired here. And uh, and for various functions, too. Prayed yesterday, for example, different schools that asked veterans to come in. Civic groups will send a couple of folks out to explain flag etiquette but the uh, benefits of being a veteran uh, one of the focal points and folks should know about is that veteran service office that's uh, 
funded by our tax dollars and currently located over on uh, Union Street uh, between Larry's and Dog House and the, the American Legion. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you have a, a veteran's health issue, uh, they can help apply for your benefits uh, and uh, loans through the VA. They can probably get you going in the right direction there. But uh, those folks over there do a, a tremendous job for and helping veterans and veterans in need. Um, a lot of folks uh, get out of the military and they don't want anything to do with anything that's either OD green or Air Force blue or you know Navy blue or whatever, uh, and and that's fine. You know that different parts of the life people want to move on from. And uh, then again, there's some other folks, uh, and I've talked to many of them. And Dave, you probably have too. Said, "Yeah, I don't know why I ever got out of the army. Or I don't know why I ever got out of the Air Force. I've been much better off to stay in." Um, uh, that's all subjective. You never know what's going to happen. You know? Right. And, right. You know, life life is uh, fickle. You, you know, I can walk out this door this morning, and my life could change 180 degrees. Uh, so. Uh, you know, we just got to be thankful where we're at, where we are, and where we're at, and what's happened to us. I had a um, one unusual story I just recalled. Um, so while I was in Hawaii, working for SyncPAC, responsible for Cambodia and Laos intelligence. Um, now. The commander-in-chief, who I mentioned, was um, uh, his son had been shot down in, in Cambodia. And then he was transferred, forgive my phone, he was transferred to Hanoi, to the Hanoi Hilton and all of that. Um... When the Vietnam War ended, I was then asked to sit on a special committee representing J-2. J-2 means intelligence folks on all the POW releases. So I did that. Now bear in mind, I'm an E-5. (laughs) But... uh, it's just uh, joint commands are very unusual. So um, the the day came when um, his uh, we sh- we shipped all of the POWs to Guam first. There they were able to get new uniforms and clean up, and then they got on a plane and came on into um, Hickam Air Force Base in Hawaii, Honolulu. Uh, When his son got off the plane, you can bet he, the father, was the first person there to shake his hand. But I I was third. And what an experience that was. You know? Um, But while I was in the islands, a friend found out I was there in the service and said, I want you to work at our TV station. So KGMB, AMFM Television. So we were also a CBS affiliate and responsible for the first raw edits of CBS reporting from the war. So I had Dan Rather saying we are n- we're not bombing in Cambodia. And yet with my other hat on, we were bombing in Cambodia. And some people have said, "How did you put up with that?" You know, what you were not being truthful in one sense. You know what I mean? It isn't my place to figure those things out. 
just do, you wear the hat you're assigned at that moment. Yep. And that's difficult to swallow sometimes. Well, do do you have, um, do you have, um, okay, so VFW, you would recommend that veterans be active in that, right? Well, the VFW or um, American Legion, uh, the DAV, Disabled Veterans of America, AMVETS, American Veterans. Uh, <clears throat> I personally, and it'll get the ire up of all those different organizations, I think we all veterans should be in one organization so we speak with a unified voice. You mm-hmm. know, I don't see that happening right now, but it's it's good when we all advocate for the same issues. Um uh, uh for not only the folks who are out of the service, but for those who are in the service that will be affected by certain issues. Uh, For example, a hot topic now are all those burn pits coming out of Iraq, Afghanistan, places where, you know, you don't have great public sanitation opportunities. You get rid of all that waste, you burn it. You know, we, we did a lot of that in the first Gulf War. Yeah, just for sanitary reasons, you got to get rid of it. So if there's uh, conditions affected our service people um, adversely with their health and everything, I think that needs to be addressed. Um, some folks, uh, like I said, you know, when they walked away from the service, they didn't want to have anything to do with it. And some folks, you know, they cling to it. One of our older members in the VFW in Albany was in the Navy during the Korean War. And he keeps joking. He says, yeah, he says, when I got out of the Navy, I couldn't wait to get back home to Benton County and straighten that place out. (laughs) (laughs) He said, God, I wish I'd stayed in the Navy. (laughs) So So favorite stories. Um, You know, I I just told one of mine. Um, I'll bet you got dozens also. Pick one. If you can. We have um, about five minutes. Right Interesting uh, tidbit on General Colin Powell. General Powell uh, in the mid-80s was commander of the U.S. 5th Corps, which is a three-star billet in Frankfurt, Germany. And he had been selected to be the head of the uh, National Security Agency uh, working for the president. And he sort of ignored a call, I think, if the story is correct. And but Casper Weinbrenner, who I believe was Secretary of Defense, was coming back through Germany from maybe Vienna, some conference down there, and he was told to stop in Frankfurt to grab General Powell by the ear and tell him to get back and report to uh, I think President Reagan at the time. Powell was a away that morning when Casper Weinberger appeared without notification. So they're trying to get the general to come back to Frankfurt so Casper Weinbrenner could just kind of pat him on the back and said, uh, Colin, six months in this job is all you're going to get. The president wants you. Casper uh, Weinberger went over to the local Frankfurt American Military High School and spoke to the student body. And was given a few notes as he walked in and said, hey, congratulations, you had a big football victory on Saturday. And spent about an hour talking to the students until uh, General Powell's helicopter got him back to Frankfurt. And Casper Weinberger could go up there and set him down and say, Colin, uh, you're going back to Washington to serve the country in another capacity. But uh, General Powell's... uh, Great intellect, uh, great commander, uh, served his country well for decades. You know, hats off to him. Bless his heart. I had the twice the opportunity to work with Henry Kissinger. Yeah. With the Paris peace talks. And uh, what a fascinating group that represented our nation. Well. Veterans Day. Um, Folks, I hope you will um, 
I don't know how to put it exactly. Um, and, uh, you know, there's uh, so many naysayers about different things anymore. Whether it's vaccines or anti-establishment or anti, you know what I mean. I hope. And in the military, for any nation, I think is an important role, important response, an important responsibility. And I think we have kept ours in line with what it's supposed to be. Some countries don't. What would your final comments be today? Well, first of all, the military is not for everybody. Uh, it's, a, it's a way of life. It's, uh, it's not different, but uh, it requires you to do the right thing at the right time, and that's important in the military. Uh, to understand your role, uh, to be responsible to the chain of command, both going up and for those below you. And it takes a little extra discipline, I think, at times. Uh, there's a whole lot of training and time that uh, you put into your profession uh, to train, to be able, and to be ready uh, and that might be that phone call in the middle of the night that says pack your A bag and B bag and be at the company tomorrow morning. Well, uh, Colonel Joe Mulligan, U.S. Army, retired, 30 years of uh, different levels of service, and uh, thanks for coming in. My pleasure. And, uh, you know, anytime you think of something else that uh, we you'd like to have our audience be aware of, please get a hold of me and we'll be happy to do it. All right, folks, uh, that's it for today. That's it for the week. And, uh, golly, what a week it's been. Um, it's going to change. It's going to get cold next week, particularly. Be careful out there. In our 72nd year of serving Southeast Ohio, AM 970 and 97.1 FM. W-A-T-H-F-N's. This is CBS News on the Hour, presented by Indeed.com. I'm Deborah Rodriguez. Thanksgiving will be here in less than two weeks, and COVID cases are on the rise in 35 states. One of the hardest hit, Colorado. Correspondent Mola Lenghi is in Aurora. Nearly 80% of eligible people here in the state of Colorado have received at least one dose of vaccine. We should point out that's higher than the national average, but there are three counties in this state that remain under 40% in terms of their vaccination rates. And folks here at UC Health say it's those unvaccinated people that are driving this spike, not just here in Colorado, but nationwide. Governor Polis isn't waiting for the federal government's blessing. He's making COVID booster shots available to all adults in Colorado. Parents in Seattle were forced to scramble when they got last-minute notice. Classes would be canceled today because of staffing shortages. I just heard about it this week, and that's a really short amount of time for people to be planning, especially with the crunch that we're having with daycare. District officials say many burned-out teachers asked for the day off, and they couldn't find enough subs to replace them. More employers are turning to robots to solve staffing issues. Robotics have been a routine sight at this Ford assembly plant for years, but now they're reaching new horizons. Companies have ordered nearly 29,000 robotics units so far this year, and non-automotive orders are rising the fastest. Total sales have hit a new record high already this year. Robots increasingly making up for labor shortages in virtually every U.S. industry. Vicki Barker, CBS News. A ninth person has died in the aftermath of the crowd crush at Travis Scott's concert in Houston a week ago. One of the rapper's representatives is speaking out about the tragedy. Scott's spokeswoman, Stephanie Rawlings-Blake, who used to be mayor of Baltimore, tells CBS Mornings. When you have crowds of 50,000 people, anything can happen. And while a lot of people are trying to place the blame, Travis is taking responsibility for moving forward and trying to make sure this never happens again to anyone's child. 
child. A new documentary is rewriting the story of rock's biggest breakup. Peter Jackson resurrects the Beatles' darkest days with never-before-seen footage. When you sing, don't you know it's going to last? We sing, it's a love that has no past. Jackson tells CBS on Sunday's 60 Minutes. Suddenly, bang, out of nowhere, comes this incredible treasure trove of slanderable material 52 years later. It, 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 it still blows my mind. Don't let me down. up 51 points, S&P ahead five. This is CBS News. Need to hire great candidates? You need Indeed, the all-in-one platform for interviewing, screening, and hiring high-quality people. Visit Indeed.com slash credit. At Shell, we know from the time you get up to the time you wrap up, there's a lot of meetups, eat-ups, and hurry-ups. So come to Shell and get three things done at once. Fill up with Shell V Power Nitro Plus to help keep your engine running like new. Save up with the Fuel Rewards Program and never pay full price for gas again. And snack up with in-store rewards to save even more at the pump. Make the most of the stop you need to make with Shell. And engines that continuously use Shell V Power Nitro Plus Premium Gas. And see full terms and conditions at FuelRewards.com. Dell's Black Friday event has arrived, and it's the perfect time to step up your creativity. With early access savings up to $300 off PCs, it's Dell's biggest sale of the year. Get more into what you're into with the latest XPS and Alienware systems featuring Intel Core processors. Save on top monitors, docks, and accessories, all with free shipping, plus great financing from Dell Preferred Account. Call 800-BY-DELL for Black Friday deals. That's 800-BY-DELL. Lots of people are planning to travel for the holiday. With COVID restrictions easing, it's no shock that many more people will be traveling. The adult